will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Welcome to Leverage Addicts, the podcast for investors looking to maximize returns through leverage. Join host, seasoned mortgage professional and real estate enthusiast, Blandon Lerm, as we explore property investing strategies and learn how to navigate the market to build new wealth. Welcome to another episode of Leverage Addicts. And today we have a interesting story. We have Joel Dorsett on and he's got a interesting path that he took because the recent deal that he did basically has 10% equity gain on registered valuation. It's got over 11% yield and he secured a social housing contract where it's interest deductible and it's on a full section. So there's a lot going for this deal here that Joel have just kind of project managed and finished to get to where he is now, right? Like he has sort of gone through like different things of understanding about properties and sort of gone on, on his little journey. So I thought that's going to be interesting if we can dive into that a little bit. Maybe we can kick off with Joel. Like you can tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do as a profession? Like what do you do in your day job and then sort of how you got into properties? Yeah. So I was a sprinkler fitter for quite a few years and that's how I ended up meeting JP over at a place called Ultrafire. So then I ended up teaming up with JP and then decided that I was going to start saving for my first home. And then I started looking at- How did you know JP though? So he worked at Ultrafire. Oh yeah, yeah. So colleagues? Yeah, colleagues. Yeah. He ended up getting me over there. He needed a bit of a hand with sprinklers because he's an alarm technician. That's his background. So we started working together there and then I started looking at properties. And then one day I just mentioned to JP, like looking at this house, I'm going to this auction. Then he's then he sort of slowly yeah. started to say how interested he was with properties. I had no idea he was <laughs> as big as slowly. he was to it. I, yeah. I'm interested to know how, how he got like, you know, how did you sort of figure out like, oh, this guy's like really into properties? What do you say to make you think that? I don't really know. I, I would I think it's just the more conversations I had with him, I started to slowly pick it up. And then once he took me around to a few of the flips he was doing i sort of realized like how big the operation was just of going like you know going to a site and then there was probably 10 tradies running through a place <laughs> yeah, it was all sort of coming together so then I, that's when i was like oh yeah well should probably listen to this guy and then i think we managed to finally purchase our first property like two days after the very first lockdown yeah and that was the best time <laughs> yeah it was yeah uh, yeah, it was it was really good. We ended up purchasing a, a good property in Pakaranga. And JP mentioned to me that you had put together a course, an mm-hmm. online course, which is the property formula workshop. And then once we moved in, I think I binged that in about a week. <laughs> and then well, I tell just... us what about the first property. Like what was it that you bought? Like and and how did you sort of arrive at that decision to go, yep, this is the one I'm gonna buy? Well, the first thing it was in a pretty bad state. The owners had been through a divorce. So check box number one and two, you got like number one. Yeah, it was a lot of number two. Big, well, not a big deal up. It, it just needed a fair bit of work. Yeah. And they had tenants in there that had sort of not destroyed the place, but I think it was mismanaged or the, the owners didn't, yeah, they weren't too bothered about it. Yeah, it had a CV of 950. After the lockdown, they were quite worried. And then the agent sort of told us low 800s. At that time, even going up to the lockdown of COVID, I remember like the day before COVID, we ended up losing an auction on that day. Just And we were going 100,000 above what we wanted to go. And it was just out of control. So we'd lost a lot. So yes. when it came up to this and she sort of said low 800s, I was like, at that time... <laughs> 
Balawa, yeah. Balawa Million was just a win. Yeah, we just started negotiating. Is this a freehold, freehold title or like a cross lease? Yeah, it was a freehold, I think, 670 square meters. Wow, that's unheard of, eh? Like right now you're just buying a unit with that price. Yeah, so that was a four-bedroom, two-bathroom place. And yeah, we ended up getting that for 870 or 865. One of them, 865 or 870. And then, yeah, we renovated that. We well overcapitalized because we were supposed to stay there. <laughs> we didn't plan on yeah moving, but yeah, I think we probably ended up maybe spending 160k wow. on renovating that place. That does sound a little yeah. bit capitalized. Yeah, like we yeah probably like 50k just on a kitchen and appliances. So, but then we ended up selling that for 1.43 or 1.44. Wow. So, so yeah, right so there. definitely like a little bit of right timing had to do with it because oh, it was all right timing. Yeah, I think so it was all a right little timing. bit of that, but I think. <laughs> property you didn't go for like the nicest one you really had like a, a property that you know someone's just willing to let let it go at a at a lower price because of the situation but you got a freehold section that made a huge difference if you bought that prior to lockdown as well so that really set you up for the next purchase which because you've got all the equity built up so why did you sell it though why did you decide to sell that so that would have been well, it's because it's be the honest truth is because we were locked in Auckland for four months. My partner and I are from up north, so we'd leave Auckland every second weekend to get up north, fish, go to the beaches, whatever. So once we got out of lockdown, we basically packed the car on the fifteenth of December and just got out of Auckland for three months. Noticed how bad the market was and which way it was going. So we listed the property. I think it was December twenty one. So we sort of just missed the top, and that actually took us eight months to sell it. Wow! So it finally sold in oh man, nine months. And we settled it in September. So it's still not bad. You know, you you sold in the I would say that was the worst market. Yeah, like sort of end of twenty twenty two. But you still sold for one point four. Because you know you had good fundamentals in that property, yeah. yeah. And it was it was quite a nice. The place looked really nice. Like it wasn't sort of yeah. done quite well. But yeah, the decision was to move out of that because capital gains weren't really going to go anywhere for what we believe like another two years. Yeah. So we just thought, oh, well, let's just try and find a cash flow property up north, and maybe we'll just go and move up there for a while. Yeah, that's good. And then this deal popped up. Yeah, when I saw it, I was, and then I just did some quick numbers. I think it was just off their rental assessment. It was massive. Yeah. There's a bit of there's a bit of like I guess realization because you went from like a first home buyer, you know, like you you already took a lot of risk buying like the one that's like a do up, you know, like probably JP influenced a lot because he could show you exactly what he could take a old property and then what it looks like renovated because he was he had a, a lot of flips going on in, in 2020 from memory so you took a big leap there but then you took a second big leap like you literally sold you know like a first home buyer they're just like oh i just want to buy in the big city right like i don't want to buy in like the smaller region so what made the decision to be like okay i'm gonna go north and buy cash flow property that's like unheard of right i don't really get too attached to things like i'm a Trady. I don't really care too much about, I don't know what probably most people would. It's just all the numbers, especially just getting the spreadsheet from doing that course made things quite clear. A part of this decision, I wasn't too bothered about capital gains. It was more just as long as the place cash flowed, I was happy with that Mm. because that would sort of make up for dead money we would probably get from Auckland over the next two years. 
whether that's still true or not, I feel like there's probably still another year left in that. <laughs> yeah, true. Or in that original assessment from a year or so ago. So, yeah, I mean, the numbers were just really good, and I believed it would rent for more if we did renovate the place. I knew what it was probably going to take to renovate it to achieve the level that they had advertised. And then- So let's let's jump into some of the pictures of this property. So let, let me share my screen here, and maybe you guys can walk, you, you can walk us uh, through in terms of like... Oh. I can um the conclusion on that listing if you like. Is this the listing? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, when <clears> you <throat> saw this property, like what did you see? I just what, saw cash flow, potential to be honest. Oh, I saw I saw cash flow and the potential to revalue it higher because I couldn't really understand how something that cash flowed that much would be valued so low. Yeah. So uh, basically, from their rental assessment or appraisal, it was three eighty to four twenty per unit. If once you got them up to healthy home standards, so just yeah. sort of basing it off sixteen hundred bucks a week, I sort yeah. of knew value would be sort of up around nine hundred k, maybe or around there at least. Yeah. So you got four four um, times two bedroom, and the first thing you sort of realize is like just basic mass cash flow on like the purchase price, you're looking at a cash flow deal. But at this point, you're pretty much holding like something like half million, 600K from selling the initial place. Yeah, probably about that. Yeah. So initially we thought we had sold our place because it was conditional under a builder's report. And then that sort of fell over two days before the auction. So I had to watch the auction. I think the bidding started at 500 it got vendor bid it up to 5.30 and then it just got passed in. And I was yeah. sort of losing my shit watching it, thinking, Fuck, how, does not, how does no one want to buy it? Well, how come you're not ready to buy it? Like I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, is it because you haven't sold your place yet? Yeah, we hadn't sold our place. Oh, I see, but, I see, yeah. Yeah, once it got Sorry, passed in, yeah. yeah, I just rung the agent and said, hey, look, we can make a conditional offer on our place selling. Wow, okay. So then... It wasn't a multi-offer um, sort of stage. I sort of just did the numbers and with our position, like how our offer was going to look, I was like, oh, I'll just try and max it out what I'm willing to go up to, try and make it look more. Okay, um, so so that's interesting. You you haven't sold your place, but you're like, you're real keen on this. So there's, there's a bit of, you know, the big man's helping here, you know, just making things smooth for you. you no, nah, the big man is, uh, you know, the guy above. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> wow, well, just... Hit and hope sometimes. Yeah, yeah. No, but yeah. That, that's good. Okay, so you actually may, uh, got a chance to make an offer on this, but that's not all of the truth because there was a bit of struggle with this one, right? Maybe you can tell us a, a bit of the challenges with renovating this place because, you know, there was a, a bit of like hiccup, you know, when you started it. Yes. Do you mean with tradies? Yeah, tradies. So you, yeah. you finally secured a place, you sold it. <laughs> Oh, your property, you secured a place. Yeah, so we probably just let the place sit for a month or so because we were also moving up north. Yeah. So once we sort of got that out of the way, we started to try and formulate a plan of what the end goal was going to be and help like budget it. And then we started to first engage builders to come through, sort of demo bits and pieces, rip mm. out all the kitchens, bathrooms, like bits of gym here and there. Yeah. And the old little wall. So then we started with that and then... Yeah, and the it's I, th- I feel like their trading hours are, are quite a bit different. And being a tradie myself, like it's 
like that's sun up to sundown, but it's more of a nine till two or a nine till three setup sometimes. Oh, geez. And even then, it's probably not even that productive throughout that time. So, like, we we did have a few issues uh, just with how how long certain things were taking. Yes. Um, one of them mainly were the kitchens. I think they nearly took 40 hours to put one of them in. And that was probably the final straw where I had to tell them to gap it because I've never put a kitchen in and I managed to do one in 16 hours kind of things. So yeah. So this is the 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 work hours of the far north. Huh? You, that's what you learn. Yeah, yeah. So, and then uh, a part of that time as well, uh, there were a lot of supply shortages labor shortages so that was very difficult everything oh, else you? was the lead time for basically anything you wanted was at a minimum yeah. six weeks probably yeah so six to 12 weeks so we were quite smart we had our kitchens ordered pretty much straight away and then all of our bathroom stuff might have been like two weeks after that so we started yeah. to procure everything that we needed that's good so uh, i think um the the upside you had was that you know, you had mostly cash in the deal because, you know, otherwise it's like, hey, you're paying a mortgage. It would have been a little bit of a panic. So you kind of had that like on your side because you put in mostly cash. It's like, okay, I can take my time to figure things out. Yeah, exactly. That was the whole thought process behind it. So we purchased it just outright. So we didn't have that sort of hanging over us. Kind of a bad thing because you kind of can sit back a little bit more than you normally would but it, with everything we had going on with moving up and trying to get everything set up it definitely it, it was worth it so that's good like i mean i have a similar lesson right like when i did the martin renovations like i didn't look for local contractors i looked for like a project manager that project managed like a lot of things around wellington and someone already used them for a long time and they had their contractors that they would bring up you know, they'll drive up 40 minutes, you know, just I'd rather pay them the extra. I just keep telling him like, I'll pay you extra, man. Like you just make sure you look after the project. And he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> but um, he, he he drove his contractors up to to do the jobs. And and um, and yeah, that, that's definitely like something really important, I guess. It's like if you can find somebody that has a track record. So, okay, I'm going to walk through the numbers on behalf of Joel because uh, he is a little bit frozen there. So he ended up buying this place for 625, like 100K above the the reserve, sorry, not the reserve, the pass-in price at the auction, which, you know, no one's going to be able to compete with him. And then he ended up spending uh, quite a bit on the renovations, 260,000, because he didn't, like, he didn't cut any corners at all, you know? So um, you, you guys are going to be able, able to see uh, sort of what that looks like. And if we have a look, what happens is total up to 893,000. Now keep in mind, because his his uh, he didn't have as much delays on the, well, he had delays, but he didn't have as much interest to pay. Because if he had interest to pay on this, obviously uh, that would look a little bit different on the on the costing. You know, he'll, he'll it'll, it'll cost him another, like you'll have to budget another like 20 grand almost for interest. So that was a blessing in his situation. And so 900,000, uh, the register valuation came back at uh, around 970. So he pretty much have a um, close to 10% uplift. And I'm pretty confident that, you know, if the market was a bit better, like if they did a, uh, like a cap rate on this particular deal, like the valuation would be a lot higher. So this is a more conservative 
uh, figure here. And then cash flow wise, he ended up getting a nineteen hundred, which is amazing. He secured a social housing contract. You know, this is like the the ceremony that they had um, in the property. I thought was super cool. Uh, he shared it in the group, and you guys might have seen this video. Yeah, so like this is all top quality stuff, right? Like he spent two sixty k, but this place is now like in like, really yeah. good condition. And um, social housing was so happy to, to get like, this. He actually had another video that's the ceremony. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, so here we go. He had like the social housing come in, which is super cool. And now like he's built a name, right? And the local, like to the local who are getting, giving them the social housing contract, like Joel's like a superstar, right? They, they want to do business with this guy because he did such a good job. He didn't cut corners on the renovation. He spent, like, he doesn't have to spend 260 on this renovations, but he did. And for him, because this property is basically freehold because he's got, he's got um close to freehold. He only had like a small mortgage on it. So he got ton of equity where he could pick up another unit, do another social housing contract and lease it out again. And that that's going to be massive for him because that's going to be an ongoing business for him. So looking at the cash flow, because he didn't have need as much mortgage. So if we max it out at 65%, he actually only have to invest around 259,000 of his cash in this deal. Okay. And essentially he's got 13% cash on cash return. And what this is, is if you guys remember, it's like the amount of cash that you put in the deal, what sort of cash flow return you're immediately getting, accounting for all your interest rates, which is 7.19, which is what Joel had put down here, um, and all your vacancy rate, which you don't get any on, on a social housing contract. Um, he's making 23000 on his 259000 that he put in, and he basically get to recycle 633000 Right, so after he finished the deal, he leaves two fifty nine uh, in the deal, and he recycles out six hundred thirty three, which allows him to pretty much have two deposit for two more deals, which is super awesome. Right now, he can he can choose to you know either buy a own occupy with this cash or like buy one own occupy and then maybe another investment property that has a cash flow. So overall, very good results. If you look at the numbers, it's just phenomenal. I just sort of stole your thunder here, Joel. You you were um, sort of like um, about to say something really important and you just froze. But just um, took everyone through the numbers. Maybe you guys, you, you like you've got a few photos here. I'm sure these ones are the one that you're quite proud of. Maybe you can share a little bit about these. Um, yeah, so that's sort of the kitchen and laundry that we put together. So um we always knew we were going to put them towards social housing. We sort of, our thought process that we would use uh, engineered stone bench tops over melamine, just probably more around water and heat. They'd probably be a bit more robust for yeah. that. So we did that and everything. I feel like everything's just soft closed now anyway. So that's sort of a given. And then we just made sure the sinks were big enough to put like an oven tray in. There was a dishwasher there. It was there's not enough room for a dryer unless they wanted to hang it on the wall above the um, laundry. But every all of that sort of works there. The kitchen's big enough, and then we tried to make the breakfast bar double as a dining table just to make the lounge just solely the lounge instead of having to have a dining table and couch set up in there. Yeah, um, looks amazing, eh? Yeah, and then we 
sort of um, made sure each unit was private just by fully fencing the property and putting sort of inter-tenancy fence walls between each one. So yeah, it was, and then we redid all the flooring. We made sure all that was lino through all sort of the kitchen, lounge, hallway, and then just carpet in the bedrooms, lino in the bathroom, just to try and make it hard wearing. So no, even carpet doesn't have a very long lifespan. Um, and around when we were renovating it, I sort of wanted to do it. So it was minimal maintenance over the 10 year period. Yeah. So part of that, we even did every single hot water cylinder in each unit. So it should be, I'm hoping, sort of set and forget to a degree. There might be little things here and there. We re-roofed the whole place, new spouting, new downpipes. Wow. So the whole shell of the place is good. Yeah, repainted the HRV, what's that? What 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 is that? Is just is that um no that's um, that's good. the range hood. Wow. Yeah, so like with the to make the kitchen work. That's sort of the only place we could put the stove because we wanted to have like above bench cabinets as well. We just wanted as much storage as possible Yeah, in the kitchen because I sort of know how much or how many things go into a kitchen. And when you can declutter a place, people sort of take a little bit more pride in the place. So um, you normally have those range hoods when you put like your cooktop on a island. So that's what that is. And that was sort of yeah, the way to make that kitchen work because where there are windows, it sort of makes it quite hard to put a canopy range hood. So this unit, unit one, was already accessible. There was a, a man in a wheelchair. Uh, so there are ramps front to the front door and the back door. And yeah. also the bedroom, well, the doorways are wider. So they're 800 wide. And then there was already a level entrance shower in, in the bathroom so we thought we'd just keep it accessible for an elderly tenant or maybe a disabled tenant so that was sort of the only unit we just decided to keep it like that which was quite easy i want to touch on your relationship with the social housing provider as well because i'm pr- like i said it before you jumped on i said you know like you're a superstar to them like they would love you for what you have done because i'm quite new to it i sort of wanted to make a really good product and they appreciated that quite a lot because the majority of the social housing stock is, I don't want to say poor, but it's quite run down. Yeah, so like my, someone can take pride in a place, they'll look after it, they'll be happy, and then it'll sort of, I don't know, just hopefully break the circle. Yeah, They're quite thankful. They had a massive opening ceremony there. Once we sort of handed the place over, they blessed the whole place. They yeah, it was like the whole nine yards. <laughs> yeah, well, I just shared that a little bit before you came as well, and you are getting the return for it because it does. You can justify for it, like your your total spend was under nine hundred, and now you're getting nineteen hundred per week. Yeah, so definitely the return is there. So you know, sometimes you can say it's overcapitalized, but based on those returns, like. Yeah, like you can you can justify for it. And the main thing is that you built such a strong reputation as well. Like it just makes your future business so much easier to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it was extremely hard to set up the social housing stuff up there because it, it, it is non-existent up in Kaitaia. Yeah. So it was a big learning process for them uh, also. There might be another day, Joe. Like we need another day of social housing uh, training. There's so yep. much to to learn from this deal. Like you, you got so much experience with this, and I think I'm just super glad that you've come to the finish line. The numbers all stack up so nicely. You did really, really well, and just an incredible journey that I just witnessed in the last three years. Sort of from from you buying your first home, like your door up, and then you you yeah. did another deal in between, and then you ended up with this one, and then now like you're you're sitting on a ton of equity, ready to do more. Really well done, man, and thanks for 
taking the time to sharing. But I just wanted to say, you know, like your engineering bench top is like significantly better than what I would spend. This is probably what I'll buy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And I thought I'm going to open up the, the floor to questions because some of these guys jump on, obviously they want to ask you questions. So I'm going to just stop yep. the recording there and let you guys just have a quick chat.